0: Welcome to another episode here of the Sci Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts from the Sci. Joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Sci Guys. is Tad the Sci. And Tad, we're rolling right along. We're continuing with our series here of going over the new head coaches that have been hired. Uh, we've previously done the Jonathan Gannon episode, talking about his new take on the Arizona Cardinals, what to expect there. Yeah, spoiler alert, not too much. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, I mean, no, next to nothing, I think, is the appropriate response.
0: Yeah, but I think you should expect a little bit more with our first episode that we did in this series. Yeah, that yeah. was a Sean Payton covering the Broncos. So in case you haven't checked out either episode, make sure you check out both those episodes. But once again, don't stop this episode. Make sure you go after this episode is done and then go check out those episodes. I think Cap is obviously very interested in today's episode. We got a fun coach talking about in today's episode. Sure, it's with a franchise that, you know, probably less people want to talk about. But I think the coach should bring some extra excitement to this team. Hopefully he should, you know, avoid... Going one and done like the previous two other coaches before him, and that is of course D'Amico Ryan's of the Houston Texans. So Tad, once again, I got to pose this question to you, and you know Cap obviously as well, since he's more than welcome to give his opinion. Uh, <laughs> what did you think? Oh, with, oh yeah, he's, oh, he's, he's, oh <laughs> he's got some spicy taste. He is very upset. <laughs> So my, just yeah, my, posing the question to you, just like you know, just like the previous episodes, just like when you saw this hiring, especially now this is a your division. He is coaching in your division, right? So just what was your reaction when you saw the news that D'Amico Ryans is now the head coach of the Houston Texans?
1: Well, you know, it's funny you should ask that because my first reaction was actually to you. My my first reaction was like, "Wow, Amir, fuck you," <laughs> because <laughs> oh, because how dare! You let such a good coach go, not only because I care about you and I want the 49ers to succeed, but you let a good coach go to the team that I hate the most. Look, I don't like the Titans. I really don't like the Jaguars, but I hate the Houston Texans. Now, there are some personal reasons that go behind that, not to the Texans, but the city of Houston. And you let him get the best coaching candidate that was available in the last offseason. Like, this was an absolute A-plus hire by them. I think he is going to do phenomenally well, not just because he's a great coach, a great motivator. All things we'll get into in a bit. But because he has that personal connection to the city as a longtime player with the Houston Texans, when you have a personal connection plus a great coach, that is a recipe for success, which means disaster. For me. So again, I will say, Amir, fuck you. I know you have nothing to do with this. I know.
0: Little no control. You know. Yes, no, it's little control.
1: But how dare you?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the tough thing is just that. Of course, we wanted to keep him, but I think just how sensational of a job he did in the two seasons as a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers, which we'll get into obviously here. Oh, but yeah. just like it's hard to avoid him getting interest from other co- uh, from other teams that are looking to sort of you know captured that sort of magic that he had as the defensive coordinator with San Francisco so I mean yeah Houston I think they made an A plus higher I really just you know hope he could really just kill it there because I mean yeah he was such a great player for that team especially and I mean let's not put it off too much let's sort of get into his background here and let's start with his playing career so obviously we have to go back to his college career here he had a sensational. Uh, Three-year season at the University of Alabama from 2002 to 2005. Sorry, that's four-year season. My, my math is off a little
1: bit there. <laughs> okay. uh, math is not good either. I wasn't going yeah. it. Uh,
0: but just, yeah, he had a great season there. In 2004, he was second team All-SEC. 2005, he was a finalist for the Butkus Award, which goes to the top linebacker in FBS football. Then he was also finalist for the Nagurski Award, which is the Football Writers Athletic Association. I believe that's the acronym there. But it's their award for the best defensive player, like, just overall. So he was a semifinalist self-final- for that. He was also a semifinalist for the Benaric Award, which goes to the um, AP – um, best defensive player of the year of the award in that same year. So I mean, he had a fantastic 2005 um, consensus first team All-American as well as um, All-SEC in 2005 as well. And he was the SEC defensive player of the year in 2005 as well. And then finally, in his last year at the University of Alabama, they played in the Cotton Bowl. He was the Cotton Bowl defensive MVP. So I mean, Tad This guy had the pedigree of being a sensational player, obviously playing at, like, you know, your – Blue chip school, you know, sort of like that pro football factory that you want to call Alabama. So, I mean, naturally he was going to be in a position to succeed, but you also have to succeed. Like you have to have the skills yourself to it. He clearly showcased that at the University of Alabama.
1: You know, it's funny you should say that about like it being a football factory, because this is a fact I did not know, obviously, until I was doing research for this episode. He was the first Alabama linebacker to be drafted in the first round. And he was in the 05 draft, if I'm correct, um, since 1997. I thought so, Ryan was drafted in the second round. Or sorry, he was the highest drafted Alabama linebacker. Okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah,
0: they took a different fast player fast. in the first round, yeah, the first overall. Yeah, the old, yeah, get we'll get to it a little well, bit well, here, yeah. but
1: just yeah, oh, yes, we will. Um, <laughs> so no, like it, like from the early 2000s, people forget Alabama, while good, was not like what they are now. or it's just oh, no, like, no, Alabama. Like, but he was one of the you know pillars of like you know what made Nick Saban want to go there. And start, you know, coaching at Alabama because he was not under Nick Saban at that time. So um, that was interesting. But another interesting thing is because I'm so glad you brought this up. I saw he was 2005 All SEC team. So, you know, just for giggles, I decided to look it up. Amir, do you? And this is not the. Pop, by the way, Amir, you have a pop quiz headed your way, but this is not the pop quiz. Good, um, because
0: you want I would have struck out very early if you were asking me who's on the All SEC team. I was like, you know, I don't know college that, football that well. <laughs>
1: So, well, I will say they're all NFL, well known NFL players, too. Do you want to guess who the 2005 all SEC quarterback was in 2005?
0: God. Okay, you got to have to help me out. Which colleges were in the SEC? No, like, I, I know I, that's kind I, of a hint, I, I, but. It's
1: colleges, okay, uh, Florida, Georgia, um, oh man, South Carolina, uh, Tennessee, uh, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I know I'm missing one that people are going to yell at me for, Kentucky. Those type of schools. So who's the quarterback of that team? Was it Tebow? Oh, no, no. That, 2005. Jesus, man. I don't was, know. I don't remember. <laughs> it was Jay Cutler out of Vanderbilt. Cutler of Vanderbilt, yeah. Okay.
0: okay. All right. Do you want know to guess who
1: the running back was on the All SEC team that year? God. Um, oh shit! This is the team I was forgetting. By the way, it's a team I have not named. Or oh,
0: it's a team you haven't I have named. Not. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Um, 2005. Um, yeah, I, I don't even have
1: a guess. I'm not sure of that one. Darren McFadden from Arkansas. Ah, okay. Okay. The receiver. And this, I did not know this is where he went to school. Sidney Rice, uh, South Carolina.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: I, I honestly thought he was older than this, but I guess he was still in college at the time. Andrew Whitworth was the all sec left tackle out of LSU at the time. And go. finally, you really should have gotten this one. Your boy Patrick Willis at Ole at Miss, Ole Miss yep. was the was a fellow linebacker along with D'Amico Ryan, which really tells you how old these people are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, so that's a little bit about his college history. Obviously, he makes a transition to the NFL. He was drafted in the second round by the Houston Texans. Uh, but there's also another very famous. Um, college player that was drafted first overall by the Houston Texans and surprisingly in that rookie year in 2006 lost to his teammate Domingo Ryans for winning the defensive rookie of the year it was Mario Williams the highly heralded la- defensive end and yeah you know not a bad well, career you know, but
1: some, I mean you know, NC State
0: I believe so. But yeah, yeah. I remember just obviously the biggest storyline behind that whole draft was just, you know, why didn't the Texans take Reggie Bush instead of Mario Williams? just That was the whole debate, obviously. Uh, But just, yeah, Mario Williams did work out for them. He was a solid producer for them, but nowhere, I think, at that same level of what they were anticipating at the college level. But on the flip side, I mean, just jumping back to Zbiko Ryans, he very much lived up to everything that the Houston Texans were hoping being that high-level second-round pick. I mean, as mentioned, he was the defensive Rookie of the Year ticks Surprisingly, Tad he was not named to the Pro Bowl that year. I thought he really? would. That's like a shoe in right? You win like one of future, these like fan vote too. Well, yeah, I, I figured you. you win one of those awards, you're like automatically going to be in the Pro Bowl. But yeah, I checked it. I double checked it. And I was like. No, he was not on that Pro Bowl roster, but he did make the Pro Bowl in the following season in 2007. He was named the second team All-Pro. Um, he made the Pro Bowl again in 2009, so this is all with the Houston Texans. Um, after a while, he did leave the Houston Texans, side with the Philadelphia Eagles, had a great career there as well. Overall, in his career, Tad, he had nearly 1,000 combined career tackles. He had 970, so fell just a little bit short there. He had 72 tackles for loss, and the big thing, Tad, this is where I think a lot of linebackers started to become sort of the modern L linebacker that we see today, where it's like not only are you good at run stopping, but you're dropping into coverage too. Because D'Amico Ryan's right. had 46 passes defended over the course of his career like he was just a ball hog. Maybe not in the sense of actually getting the ball and getting interceptions, no, no, but most, deflecting them.
1: Deflecting it's cool to say that actually because one set I didn't write this down, but one set that stuck out to me, I can't remember if it was three or four. But he had an interception each of his last three or four years of his career, at least one. Yeah, no, that's, that's very incredible. fair. That's incredible. Even when he went to because I totally forgot, but I, I know you're about to get to this, so I apologize for leapfrogging you, but I totally forgot he played for the Eagles yeah, until cool. I started looking into this. But he had two picks for the Eagles. I was like, dude, I thought you were washed with the Eagles. Like, no, that dude, like, he understands defenses, and we definitely will be getting to that in a bit.
0: Oh, 100%. We'll be getting into that. So, yeah, he had a fantastic, fantastic. career.
1: You he played. How.
0: He played 10 seasons, but he came into the league pretty early, and so he retired only at the age of 32. So he took a year off, and then he joined the coaching ranks. In 2017, he joined with the San Francisco 49ers, and he became a defensive quality control coach under uh, defensive coordinator Robert Sala. This is the first year for Kyle Shanahan as well. So, I mean, it was just a whole new coaching staff, so he was able to learn for Robert Sala. He was obviously under him for a while. Robert Sala eventually leaves to become the defensive coordinator. I'm uh, sorry. not defensive coordinator, the head coach oh, okay, of the yeah.
1: New York Jets promotion. Come on. Yes.
0: That's my mistake. My mistake there. So he became the head coach of the New York Jets in 2021. The San Francisco 49ers like what they saw in D'Amico Ryan's. They decided to promote from within. So he became the new defensive coordinator. Tad. These are the 49ers defensive stats under the two years that D'Amico Rides Ryan's was a defense coordinator in 2021, his first year. They were in the fewest yards allowed category. They were third best in the fewest yeah. points allowed category. They were 10th best in the most turnovers forced. They were 20th best. Not that great. Right. But let's flip to next year, the, the next year. So this is the most recent season 2022. These stats are just unbelievable what the improvement he had from one year to the next. So in 2022, fewest yards allowed, second best, All right. fewest points allowed. First, they were hey, so they allowed boy. the fewest points in the league, one. and then here's the biggest improvement, Tad. Most turnovers forced, they were tied for second. Ooh. So you got to look at just like he was able to implement his philosophy at 2020, obviously a little bit of carryover for what Robert Sala was doing during his time there as well. But then obviously he took what he was learning, took what Robert Sala is sort of instructed to him 2022. I think he put his own stamp on the Niners defense and his own philosophy. The players were buying in. They're like, this is a guy that we want to play for. They obviously played very hard for him. If you drafted that, this team in fantasy, like this was a team that you didn't want to drop at any point because they were very, very successful. For <laughs> Damn it like what do I exactly like, who, do I, who do I drop here and you're just like damn exactly. it. exactly when you get to the bye week it's one of those decisions where it's just like do I drop one of my bench guys because I want to keep the Niners' defense mm-hmm. they were that good of a fantasy defense as well because of what D'Amico Ryan's able to do um he was being considered for the Minnesota Vikings head coach job tad in 2021 so that's after his first season um he did have some interest. He did get one interview with them, but he declined a second interview because he it, he thought took it on himself. He was like, "I think there's still I need to learn, so I'm gonna come back to San Francisco and I'm going I to learn that. Some more." That was a
1: big time gamble on his part because I actually remember the time being like, "You moron! Like you you have a you have a team with a proven quarterback with a up and coming receiver." Because at that time we knew Justin Jefferson was good, we didn't know he was that good, yeah. and like now we're like, "Okay, no, like he took a big time gamble." We'll see if it pays off, but honestly, that kind of confidence in yourself, I love it. Well, it paid off in some sense because he had a lot more interview
0: opportunities this past (laughs) offseason. Pretty much every team that had an opening, they were looking at him, maybe with the exception of Indianapolis there. But just, yeah, in 2022, he became the sixth head coach in Texans franchise history. And Ted, we were talking about this in our previous episode with the Arizona Cardinals and their seventh coach since the year 2000. This is now their third coach in the past three seasons for the Houston Texans. So I think this is one of those teams that just unfortunately has a lot of turnover for different reasons, obviously. But just yeah, hopefully you know, looking at that. Tameka Ryan's what he could bring to this team, I really like to think he's not going to go one and done here.
1: Do, do you have a list up by any chance? I want to see if I can do this. Um, I don't have the list up, but I could pull
0: it up. So was
1: it was it Romeo? Here's my big question: Was Romeo Cornell straight to Lovey Smith, or was there someone in between?
0: Romeo Cadell was the interim head coach. So, I mean, I don't know if you can.
1: Okay, I thought they gave him a year. My bad. But, yeah, no. So, Lovey Smith got, was it one year? Lovey Smith got one year. That's correct. Hmm. Interesting. Another comparison to the other coaches we were discussing in last week's episode. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) But, uh, no, I mean, I do think D'Amico Ryan, we'll get more into this in a bit. um, He'll be around for a while. Because it's yeah. just, like I said, not only does he have that connection to the franchise and just for pure PR sake, they cannot just one and done him. Because that is the closest for such a young franchise. That's the closest thing they have to a franchise legend. Uh yeah. I mean, I know people are screaming at me through the screen right now. JJ Watt. OK, JJ Watt clearly is like not a coach yet. And who you're not going to do Brian Cushing because that dude's a. Freaking psycho. Yeah. Um, I mean, name one other legendary Texan. Like Andre Johnson, at- I guess, but Andre Johnson, to my knowledge, is not in coaching.
0: So-, so that's the big thing. There are other Houston Texan like franchise legends for sure, but I don't think it's sort of like that coaching level. Cause like you right. said, Andre that- Johnson definitely, you know, on that level. I yeah. think yeah, uh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could probably say Arian Foster is maybe at that level, you know. He was pretty successful during his time there. So, but just yeah, at the coaching level, definitely not.
1: On that note, how great would a Cortland Finnegan versus Andre Johnson coaching matchup be? Oh, gosh. Oh, I I would pay $100 to watch that. That'd be great. That's like Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Here's my $100.
0: This is gonna be like, you know, I was gonna say 2011 Jim Harbaugh versus Jim Schwartz Shake Gate. like maybe that's what's oh, gonna to happen good. too that's after a game good. between and Andre
1: Johnson.
0: What's he, your deal, bro?
1: Like <laughs> it was like, oh man. Oh, that was uh, fantastic. I that was love fantastic.
0: Football. But yeah, so obviously it was Lovey Smith last year fired after one year. David Culley the year before that fired was after totally one year, I was, I was which we all sort of discussed. It was pretty much a scapegoat. Yeah. Like I mean, he wasn't yeah. going to last or all probably.
1: that long. Also share something in common with the other people. Interesting.
0: And then Bill O'Brien was the coach in 2020, but he was fired mid-season, if you remember that. No, yeah, he was coach at GM, so he was fired midway, and then Romeo Canal took over the rest of that season. He was not offered the position after that. That's when they went with David Colney. But But 100%, I think we're both on the same side here that I think Tomiko Ryans is going to be able to keep his job for. Hopefully longer than a year. I'd really like to think so. Uh, But let's get more into his coaching style here, Tad. So I'm going to pass it to you here first. Because, I mean, you've sort of been like the guy looking at the defenses and obviously sprinkling what I know, being an Niners fan, obviously. But let's go with the defense here first before we get into the offense, which will obviously be led by offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who is of the San Francisco 49ers, which we'll get into a little bit here. But yeah, let's speak about the defense a little bit, what D'Amico Ryans can bring to this Texas defense.
1: So the thing that fascinated me the most when I started doing research on his system was the fact that he doesn't do anything in particularly special with his defense, except for one thing, is the way he leverages the offensive line is what the defense is centered around. So what I mean by that is he understands, okay, if they're going to run here, and by the way, like you can just tell the way that 49ers defense worked, their tape research, like they, you could just tell he really worked in the tape room with this defense that they knew, okay, they're going to do one of two things. And that way they were like, all right, let's force them into one thing then. And what I mean by that is, you know, for the average viewer, a lot of people think the offensive line, defensive line, just stand up and like just go at each other. No. So the way that Domingo Ryans works his offense is he will design the defensive line to push the offensive line a certain way so that they are basically non-existent. There, are, the, the tape I was watching had multiple cases of both, sorry, LAFB, both the Chargers, the Rams with a stacked box with seven blockers, but the way they push the offensive line out of the way or the way they kind of force them out of the way leaves the linebackers clean. And what that means is the linebackers have... No one on them. So then, and here's the key to D'Amico Ryan's defense, though. Without athletic inside linebackers, you were screwed. Because what does that mean? Okay, great. The line's gone, but I still have 10 yards to go before this guy, you know, curves around and starts breaking up the field. And that's why Fred Warner did so well in this defense is because Fred Warner is a heat-seeking human of a missile. Like, he is insane. So I think, and and I'll— Touch on this in a bit. I God, I feel like I've said that like four times this episode. Um, that's the key to this defense, though, is because it's all about athletic defensive linemen keeping the line clear so those athletic linebackers can close off the gaps. And it's impossible because, like you said, the run defense was phenomenal. For the 49ers. And it was funny because I kept looking for things of like, oh, his pass defense his pass He really doesn't do anything that special in pass defense. No. Pretty situational. But that's the whole key. that like you shut down the run defense to the point where they're like, fuck it. Got to pass it. And then it becomes obvious. And that's how you force turnovers because they know what that you're going to pass it. And then you just drop your guys into coverage. So the way he, it, again, the key to his defense is the defensive line. How can you force the the opposing offensive line to leverage the other way that they want to go? Obviously, the offensive line wants to go forward. How do you leverage them? Sideways. And he is a master at doing that. So one thing I want to ask you, Merv, because it was interesting when I I was also looking at his past. He actually played outside linebacker at Alabama and uh, was drafted as an outside linebacker. But then he did so well in training camp. Apparently, he was just like, you're going inside. Is there a possibility he does the same thing with Will Anderson? I
0: mean, he could, but I think you just look at what Will Anderson sort of gifted at. It's getting after the quarterback, and he does have the football IQ that he probably could make that transition to the inside linebacker, but I don't think you want to take away for what is making Will Anderson, Will Anderson, right? So it's like, I think they probably want to keep him on the outside. They can probably drop him into coverage every so often. He can sort of play that sort of like... Secondary, like you know, middle linebacker or whatever, like in case they want right. to do like a you know a four two five or something like that, obviously a nickel formation. So it's like you I'm pretty sure five, man. <laughs> Sorry, I'm used to having two stunned you linebackers. Where it's like you don't need three. I had Navarro Bowen and Patrick Willis for a long time. Now I have fred Border and Dre Greenlaw to go for it. So it's like I'm used to just sort hey, hey, that hey, sort of formation. And hey. you
1: have D Winters. D <laughs> Winters would
0: do time, yes, of course. Um but just, yeah, so I think they could probably leverage those types of situations with him more, but I think they'll probably keep him on the outside. I think just what he's gifted at is getting at to the quarterback, getting into the backfield. So it's like, why would you want to take away from that and put him at the middle linebacker position?
1: So. No, I agree. And I'm not saying that they're obviously on the same tier, <laughs> but like the, the key cog in the machine for his defense, because like I said, like the, the key to the defense is the defensive line. Well, who is the best player in the defensive line? Nick Bosa. And yes. like you need that athletic. And it was again like at the time I was really questioning, like, wow, really, you traded back up all that way for Will Anderson. And now I'm like, oh, that's why you did it. Because obviously you need a quarterback, but he needed his quarterback on defense. Of course. And he needs an athletic defensive end that, like I said, can leverage that offensive line, get them the move. And Will Anderson was by far my favorite pass rusher for the very reason that he can do that. He is speedy, he is strong. So I agree with you, but it's also interesting to keep in mind that I think, you know, as he develops throughout the next couple of years, it would not surprise me if we saw uh, Will Anderson kind of play more of a middle tier role, not middle tier, but middle uh, level, -level mid-level role, excuse me. Where he's playing a little bit of a, a pass rusher and a pass coverage backer as well. I think that that is something that D'Amico Ryan's really succeeded in. That's something that he saw Fred Warner do really well in this system. So I think he, I think that's a big reason why they got Will Anderson was to make him like the guy in this defense. So, I mean, I hope he busts, but for D'Amico <laughs> Ryan's sake, I hope he does very well.
0: Exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of people are also hoping that the offense could do really well, too, because, I mean, you look at what this offense has been the past couple of seasons is not anything that you want to be excited no,
1: about. I'm going to interrupt you here, my friend. Since the Texans were founded in 2002, they have had – oh, man, I meant to write down the number. I forgot. Around 20 starting quarterbacks. Okay. I'll let you set this because usually I get you with this or I've gotten okay. you in the past two times. Uh-huh. Over under, what you set the over under. How many okay. of those quarterbacks can you name? How many of those quarterbacks
0: can I name? Yep. Out of the 20 years that the franchise has been mm-hmm. in existence, how around many of those 20, quarterbacks?
1: Around 20 quarterbacks. Around 20? Yeah. Um, I think the number was 22 when I got there. I Think I could do seven at least. Seven, seven. All right, go for it. I got the list right here.
0: Okay, so Davis Bills, uh, yep. Okay, uh, Deshaun Watson, yep. Uh, Matt Schaub, yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yep. TJ Yates, yep. Um, Ryan Mallett.
1: Oh man, I thought I was gonna get you with that one, yep.
0: <laughs> um Number seven, this is the one that's sort of going to trick me up because I was like, I think I could get seven, but it's the six that I was like, for sure I can get. So I was like, I want to test myself. Can I name one more? So, oh, David Carr. Easy.
1: Uh, I mean, that was – that was <laughs> – do you want the full list?
0: Yeah, quickly. Yeah, let's get the full list. I will
1: give it here. to you anyway. It's uh, David Carr, Tony Banks, Dave Rigoni? Rigoni, Rigoni
0: yeah. I never yeah. would have gotten Tony Banks, but Dave Rigoni I might have gotten. Yeah.
1: Uh, David Carr from 04 to 06. 07 was Matt Schaub and Sage Rosenfels.
0: Sage Rosenfels. How about like that?
1: So that was uh, it was Matt Schaub, Sage Rosenfels from 07 to 08. Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub, Matt Schaub. I totally forgot about this one. Matt Leiner. Started. Matt liner Yep. yep. <laughs> He's in Texas. T.J. Yates. Matt Schaub. Case Keenum.
0: Yes, yes, I remember that. I remember that.
1: 2014 was close to legendary, but not quite, was Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Mallett, Case Keenum. 2015 was the most legendary year in terms of Houston Texans quarterbacks. Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, and Brandon Whedon. Oh, yes, Brandon Whedon. 2016 was Brock Osweiler and Tom Oh,
0: yes, he
1: got his huge payday
0: in Houston after his time in Denver. Mm -hmm.
1: right. Right. 2017 was Tom Savage, Deshaun Watson, T.J. Yates. Why they ever decided like Tom Savage was better than Deshaun Watson is beyond me. Yeah, I don't know. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson. I guess he got hurt. A.J. McCarron, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor. Yep. Yep. yep mm-hmm. And then it was Davis, uh, Davis Mills, Kyle Allen, and Jeff Driscoll this past year. There you go. I am so there sorry, you. Houston fans. I mean that. Look, I don't like you. I don't like your franchise, but that is rough.
0: I feel like the Cleveland one is worse. We'll have to get into that one. Yeah, yeah but
1: the so. Cleveland one's like legendary for being the worst.
0: That's true. That's true. And they've been in existence a lot longer, too. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, But yeah, speaking of quarterbacks, obviously they have theirself a new quarterback now, CJ Stroud. But let's obviously talk about the offensive coordinator here, Bobby Slowick, coming from San Francisco, obviously. But he's been in the NFL since 2011. Actually started on the defensive side of the ball, Tad. He was a defensive assistant oh. with the that time washington redskins washington commanders washington football team whatever you want to call them right now but at that time they were washington certain word obviously Rachel, sorry, washington, washington, um was not retained when mike McShanahan was fired remember kyle jan was on the coaching staff oh, as no. well the one in 2013.
1: the one that made kurt cousins
0: exactly exactly and so he was uh, let, uh he was let go in 2013. here's an interesting tip tad it Then after being fired in 2013, he went to go work for PFF as an analyst there for a Mr. couple of seasons. From 2014 to 2016, he was an analyst with PFF, came back to the coaching ranks to join up with Kyle in San Francisco, started as a defensive quality control coach for two seasons. Then he switched to the offense in 2019. He helped the passing game as a passing game coordinator. Then he became the passing specialist when Michael Floor joined Robert Sala in New York to be the offensive coordinator, or coordinator over there. And then, yeah, now the same thing has happened here where he is joining D'Amico Ryan's following the defensive coordinator over there to be his offensive coordinator. So, you look at this offense and I think automatically, you think about a Shanahan system, it's going to flow through the running game. Like, automatically that's the one thing that you're going to see. We saw this with Mike McDaniel when he left San Francisco as well. He implemented that running scheme there. We saw great success for Jeff Wilson Jr., Ricky Mostert, Miles Gaston, all those guys. So, the same thing is going to happen here with Bobby Sloak and the Houston Texans. I mean, just the zone blocking scheme, Tad, has just made a household name of so many running backs. So, it's just like, you Got a great running back at Damian Pierce. They also signed Devin Singletary. So I think they're going to find good success in this running system. Um, You'll look at Slowick, and obviously it's very similar to what we we're talking about Mike Petzing with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Was it Mike Petzing or Drew Petzing? It was Drew Petzing. My mistake.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember. Yeah, like, that's
0: how guy is. But we're talking about Coach Petsing with the Arizona Cardinals yeah. as their offense coordinator. Yeah. That's just like he doesn't have a lot of experience. So it's going to be curious to see what he's going to implement on the offense as far as taking what he has learned under Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, a little bit during his time in Washington as well. And just putting his own sort of spin on this type of offense. So obviously we're going to see a little bit of those West Coast principles. But some of the things that he sort of mentioned in his sort of pressers as being the offensive coordinator media uh, media availability is that he wants his offense to be aggressive. He wants his offense to be fast. And he wants his offense to be decisive. Now – I don't think that's going to happen in year one. It's going to take some time to implement that.
1: Yeah, it could. And to be fair, it could. They are in much better like, position. It'll take some than time, though. Cardinals.
0: It will take some time, though, for sure. They do have some better pieces on board there, especially with the rookie C.J. Stroud. You can sort of mold him into what you want your offense to be. But I think that's the big thing, too, is that Slowick and sort of Kyle Shanahan's offense sort of gets the best out of the quarterback that's under center. So you look at C.J. Stroud. I think he's got good sort of reaming and timing sort of personality there. So I think he can sort of hit those timing routes pretty successfully. I think he can sort of do that sort of West Coast offense where it's like, you know, quick, Go move the ball down the field with the short passing, that every so often unload for a deep shot. So I mean, we could see that happening there, but obviously it's going to flow through the running game 100% there. Um, so honestly, just I like what I'm going to see for Bobby Sloan. I think he's got some good pieces. We already laid that out there, but it's going to be very interesting to see just what his spin on this offense is going to be, and just how long it'll take for it to be fully implemented on the offense there. So
1: do you think? I, I mean. Because uh, my prediction is that it will be like almost an identical copy of the 49ers offense. Do you th- how different do you see it being with him? Like how much of his own spin do you see him putting on that?
0: I don't think anybody who sort of leaves a system just sort of carbon copies exactly what they're familiar with, well, right? So it's copies, like that's how you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what <laughs> I mean, like you look at like what Miami is doing in San Francisco. I, I it's a, clearly not a carbon, an absolute copy, but like. What I see in Miami is almost like just visually, again, systematically I know it's different, but visually it basically works the same way. So, like, do you see that kind of, you know, copy going? And again, I, I feel like I need to find my word of copy. Do you see that kind of repetition going on you go. with, you, uh, go. you know, Miami?
0: Use and, your English degree. Get some oh, of those yeah. newer words a day.
1: <laughs> there, right there. That was very impressive for me. Um, do you see that kind of same – Repetition of uh strat- there we go. How about that? Repetition of strategy. There you go. How you there see you go. that going on? Like I said, that's the perfect comparison I can come up with is between Miami and San Francisco, or is that gonna be the same thing between Houston and San Francisco?
0: I also, mean, Chad, we-
1: I'll say hand the new Bill Walsh because this <laughs> is insane. Well, it's funny
0: that you speak about Bill Walsh, right? Because so many times on this podcast, Edward, we've doing this new head coaching series everyone should- learn from Bill Walsh. Not just that, but just everybody built off the West Coast system, right? That's sort of like 90% of the offenses today run off of that West Coast system, right? So you're obviously going to see some principles that are similar between all teams, like not just, you know, Kyle Shanahan, disciples, his coaching tree, when they leave, like, you know, them following sort of the same things as well there. So one of the big things I think that will separate is obviously going to be the talent, right? Because like you go to Miami. They signed Tyreek Hill. They had Jalen Waddle. They had speed already. So Mike McDaniel was sort of building his offense around that speed. And then obviously he's got the speed running backs in Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. as well. So that was overall what his sort of like spin on the offense was, is that he was going to take advantage of everybody's speed. Kyle Shanahan, unfortunately, doesn't have. He has good speed, but he doesn't have speed at every single position the same way that Miami does, right? Like they have good players, solid players, obviously, that could do a lot of things, but not everybody's built on just like pure, just like, you know, I'm going to burn you. You can't catch me sort of speed, right? So now you got to transfer to Houston where it's like they don't have a lot of pieces just yet. That's why I said it's going to take some time and it's going to take some, you know. Once they get the pieces in place, that's what I think Bobby Sloan could really sort of implement what sort of changes he wants to make on his offense. So he's obviously got the quarterback. I mean, we'll see. Obviously, we'll see. For you, obviously, you're hoping that maybe he'll bust it
1: he there. <laughs> Oh, but obviously they got the quarterback in Indianapolis. I would have thought he was better than uh, better than Bryce Young. But, exactly.
0: Uh... Exactly. So they have the quarterback. I think we saw
1: from his rookie year, Damian Pierce is a
0: pretty solid running back. You look at the receiver room, I mean they got Robert Woods, a very experienced receiver, but I mean just It's kind of at the sort of decline of his career right now. We'll see if he has a resurgence this year. Uh, At the tight end position, they did just sign Dalton Schultz, so maybe they'll flow it through the tight end position, very similar to San Francisco doing it with George Kittle. Like, I mean, they had Kittle before they had Debo and Brandon Ayuk. It was Kittle for a long time. (laughs) Like, not long time. I say, like, maybe, like, two seasons, but it's just, like, still, that offense flowed through Kittle, and there was a reason he sort of made his name in the league was because they are taking advantage of the skill set that he brought. So maybe Dalton Schultz will bring the same thing to Houston at least in the short term so that's what i can sort of see here that like like i said i just i hate to say this again but just like it's going to take time they need a lot of pieces they're rebuilding obviously so it'll take some time for
1: sure if people are sick of hearing this there's a reason we're talking about these coaching hires is because they're bad teams they're bad teams it takes a while to build back from it but the whole point is and take it from me like as a colts fan if you make the wrong hire it can set you back another five years so that's yeah. all our whole point of doing this series is can these coaches write this is this the hire that will do it and I, something i left out of my you know defensive scheme breakdown because it really has nothing to do with scheme but like i said is so the way D'Amico ryan's defense runs is he gets the offensive line out of the way the linebacker hustles there well Linebacker rarely can do it on his own, like especially the way these running backs are built now, and just the way these guys hustle to the ball and gang tackled, and their, you know, just their commit, their commitment to their role, to their job, and like no one was playing hero ball, no one was doing like, and there was one play in particular where the uh, Rams threw a short, not quite a screen pass, but a short uh, route to Cooper Cup, and a, a corner. God, I'm trying to remember the corner's name, but he was awesome. Like, he just totally took the Rams receiver out of the blocking scheme. He didn't want the tackle. He wasn't going to get the tackle. He's not going to get the stats, the glory. No, but he understood his job. Get the receiver out of the way, and five other guys ganged up on Cooper Cup. It was a third down play, forced the punt. Like, the 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 culture that D'Amico Ryan instills in his defense and Again, this is very painful for me to say, but (laughs) hopefully in the franchise, like that's a big part of like this is the guy that's going to turn this franchise around is instilling that culture of like you want to play for this guy. And I mentioned this on last week's episode. I watched, uh, uh, you know, the entirety of that in-season hard knocks with the Arizona Cardinals. And you would just tell these players did not like Cliff Kingsbury. They just didn't like him. Not, not. I, I'm sure it's not against them personally, but like they just didn't seem very fired up to play for him. Yeah. And so then you go to the, you know, another football show like Last Chance U with these coaches that are, you know, trying to get these guys. All right, given the title, it's your last chance. Come on. <laughs> and two, there were two successful coaches in Last Chance U. One, not so much. For other reasons. But uh, the two successful ones, you could tell those coaches, like, really, like, got those players to buy in. And D'Amico Ryans has that it factor of, like, I want to play for this guy. And so that's what concerns me the most is I really think he's about to instill a very, like, rah-rah culture in Houston that's really going to work. I am so scared.
0: (laughs) Well, Tad, maybe this is sort of a leave your sort of, you know, fears of this offense and how or this team overall being like, let's give it a fantasy spit here. So, I mean, let's look at just which players are going to benefit the most from this system. And I sort of brought it up already. They're going to flow through the running system, uh, the running game, at least initially, until they sort of figure out what they want to implement, the passing game, get some more weapons. You know, unfortunately, they still need a lot of weapons on that side there. Um, so, I think just the easy answer here, I know it's an easy answer, but I think it's the most smart answer. And That's Damian Pierce. So you look there. He ran for 939 rushing yards last season, scored four rushing touchdowns. He also had 220 rushing attempts. So they really fed him the ball quite a bit. Um, He also had 30 receptions for 165 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. I already brought this up. They did sign Devin Singletary in the offseason. But I think while some may see that as like a negative, this is going to take away from Damian Pierce. I think this is actually going to make it better. I'm with you. It's going to make it better because Devin Singletary is more of the gifted pass catcher compared to Damian Pierce. So I could see this very much – I could see this system sort of uh, operating the same way that Cleveland was operating the past couple of seasons. Whereas like Nick Chubb, he is your running back. He is your running back workhorse. He is going to get all the rushing attempts for the most part. And then Kareem Hunt, they sprinkle him in when they need sort of that passing game aspect. Kareem Hunt can obviously run the ball as well. So you got that sort of danger of like will he be there to – Will he be there in a passing play or will he be there in the running back? I mean, it got either option there with Kareem Hutt in that sort of system. So I can see the same thing happening here in Houston, where David Pierce is just going to pound the rock consistently. He's going to get maybe over 200 rushing attempts again, but he's not going to have to worry about being so focused in the passing game. That's where they'll bring in Devin Singletary. He'll be able to sort of uh, leverage that sort of situation for them because God knows they need the West (laughs) questions. I know I already brought this up, but just they lack a lot of them like it's between them – surprisingly, they're in the same division. It's between them and the Tennessee Titans that have arguably one of the best rece- – worst receiving groups in the league right now. So, yeah, they definitely need some help for sure. Titans so is worse. Titans is
1: worse. I think, I think Titans is slightly Titans. worse, but – as Robert Woods. We know Robert Woods is good. <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So he can at least bring some veteran experience, right? Where it's just like in Tennessee, it's just all young guns That's and just so unproven there.
1: <laughs> but he's only been in the league for one year. He's been in the league for one
0: year. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, just getting back to this running game, just yeah. So I like Singletary to sort of compliment Damian Pierce, which will just make Damian Pierce that much more effective. So, yeah, I 100% like him to flourish in the system and in this offense. So I'm targeting him 100% as an RB2 in fantasy football leagues. You know, I want to see just how involved he's going to be. And just very similar to how we talked about Arizona, just like with this team rebuilding, if they don't have all the pieces, maybe they're not going to be in a situation where they can run the ball enough and they're going to have to air it out more often. So I don't know if he's going to be as effective as I'm laying out here. But like I said, I still like him as a starting running back, but just not at that RB1 just yet. I have to see how involved he gets in this offense and throughout the season as well. But RB2, book it.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I honestly, guy, I think this is the first time we've agreed on a fantasy ranking so far this off season. Is, uh, yeah, I think it's an RB two if for no. no reason other than like what you said, it's just pure volume. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like Najee Harris. Like Najee's Harris didn't make the most of his production, but God knows he got enough production. And I think it's exactly. going to be the same for Damian uh, Pierce, because, especially because they're going to be leaning heavily on the run to take the uh, lead, the pressure off the rookie quarterback. Now, speaking of the rookie quarterback, I got double letter for you because one's like kind of you're like, okay, yeah, I can see that. The other one's a little bit of a hot take. The first one is Dalton Schultz. Look out for him being a potentially, like, sneaky good tight end. We kind
0: of talked about it already where it's like they can leverage him very similar to George Kittle in San Francisco. mm -hmm, So, yeah, I can see that happening here. So I like that pick.
1: Yeah, I'm so so glad you brought it up because, again, the offense has so few weapons. Dalton Schultz has been proven – and here's my key point with this. Dalton Schultz has been a proven veteran weapon, so we know – and consistent weapon. And with the consistent weapon, part of that is not just with Dak Prescott. This is a guy that knows how to deal with multiple quarterbacks. Remember when Dak Prescott went down with the ankle injury? Dalton Schultz, maybe his production dropped off a little bit, but he was still pretty productive given a fantasy tight end's expectations. So I think that Dalton Schultz is a real sleeper candidate. I'm not a big believer in having a tight end two on your bench, but if you are, he is at the top of my list for tight end two. Definitely top of my list for streaming tight ends when you eventually get sick of whichever one you draft and it ends up sucking like happens every year, unless you get Mark Andrews or Kittle or Kelsey. Um, He's on the, my top watch list of tight ends. And a little bit of a hot take, I could see CJ Stroud being a streaming option.
0: He could be. He could be. Oh,
1: come on. I'm sorry. You agree with it, man.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, so, but it's just like, I think just the rookie quarterbacks, they're going to be put into position where it's like, the team needs to see how this guy is going to perform. So, like you said, it's just very similar to the volume aspect, where it's just like, well, they're going to give him lots of opportunities to throw the ball. Yeah, and they're, I think, well,
1: they're going to be behind a lot. And that's the thing, too, right? <laughs>
0: we sort of talked about that, too, where it's just like, I don't know how good this defense is going to be in year one under D'Amico Ryan's system. Like, it's obviously going to take some time to adjust, but just, yeah, I think they could be good at times, but just Exactly like I said, streaming options. Like when they play Tennessee, I can very much see him doing successful against Tennessee. When he plays – sorry, Ted, the Indianapolis Colts twice a year. They'll be very successful against the Colts too. So it's just like – when you get to those bye weeks very much like you said, Ted, you hit it right on the head there, streaming option. I'm not trusting this guy in my starting lineup at yeah, he's all, not, he's, but he's a streaming
1: option for He's sure. not draftable at all, but, like, yeah. if you were in a tight bind where um, – I'm trying to think of an example, but let's say, like, you know – of course I don't wish this for to happen, but your starting quarterback goes down with an ACL injury week one, okay? Bummer. You got your backup guy. Well, now your backup guy is on a bye week Well, shit, now what do you do? CJ Stroud is the perfect plug-and-play guy right there. Especially because uh, while he's not a runner, he does have that running ability, so the, the, the six-point opportunity is definitely there, especially like, exactly like what you said. If it's a divisional matchup against Tennessee, I could totally see CJ Stroud just diving right in that end zone for rushing touchdown, and I have very, very conflicted feelings about that. <laughs> I can
0: see it very much similar to um, <clears throat> Russell Wilson's rushing style, where it's like he Ooh, is not yeah. a running quarterback, but mm-hmm. every so often, like if the core, uh, if all the receivers are completely covered, he will scamper out and he'll get you like 20, 25 yards. and a percent
1: goal. It's a third goal. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yes, and I was just about to bring that up too, where it's like when they're in the red zone too, it's like he'll just go out out of the pocket and he'll just run in for an end, uh touchdown. And there are times where it's like he got six or seven, eight touchdowns in a season because he's just rolling out and he's getting those touchdowns for you. So, yeah, very much I can see C.J. Stroud Doing something very similar to that too. Where it's like he's not gonna get you so many rushing yards, but the rushing touchdowns, like you said, those six points for the rushing touchdowns, that's where he could definitely benefit you for sure. There. So all
1: right. Quick yes or no for you, Mur. Yeah. Are any of the Texans wide receivers draftable?
0: Oh
1: I'm going now <laughs> I'm saying no. I'm staying away from him.
0: If you had to make me choose, I feel like the obvious answer is Robert Woods, just because he is the veteran of the group and he has the most experience, but yeah, I'm not really trusting these yeah. wide receivers from Houston either. Um, there's a lot of hope, a lot of hype around Nico Collins to sort of break out the system, especially with CJ Stroud. But for me, it's still very much like I need to wait and see it. Like I'm not going to draft this guy with the anticipation that he's 100. Like I'm not on the hype train yet. It's like I'm I'm on my way to the station, but I'm just debating whether I want to buy the ticket to board the train. So that's exactly where I am with Nico Collins. So, but yeah, if you if I had to draft tomorrow. I'm not taking any Houston Texans receiver.
1: <laughs> that was a beautiful metaphor. Oh, you liked it? I, yeah, I, I no, appreciate no, it. Buddy. I appreciate it. For some reason, oh, I was like, picturing like nine and three quarters from Harry Potter. <laughs> was, there you go. There you go. I'm not going to run through the wall just yet. Should you draft the Texans receiver as you're running towards the wall? Yes. And then you just bang. You just hit it's the like wall. the second movie where yeah, yeah. i just up everything and he runs into the wall. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I thought Robert was going get a thousand yards. <laughs>
0: All right, so that will close out today's uh, episode talking about Tamika Ryans, the new head coach of the Houston Texans. As we talked about earlier in the episode, make sure you're checking out our previous episodes in this series. We did John the Gannett of the Arizona Cardinals, and we did Sean Payne of the Denver Broncos. Now we got today's episode. we still got two more for you in this series. We're going to be covering Shane Steichen of the Indianapolis Colts, so that should be a fun episode for Ted. No. And then obviously we'll uh, uh, cover Frank Reich of the Carolina Panthers as well. True. Uh, but the best way you can find out about when all those episodes are dropping is coming right there. You got the ticker coming right there. You got our Twitter handles at me over the side23. You got Tad at Tad, Tad, side 94 got the show handle at the Decide guys, and of course we're on Instagram at the Decide Guys as well. We're released to your podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. So you're always up to date with our podcast info. And if you're watching us on YouTube, Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can always be up to date with our videos as well. And I think the biggest thing, make sure you're supporting our parent channel, that is LAFB Network. they got a lot of great content coming your way, covering the Rams and the Chargers at the NFL level and the Bruins and the Trojans at the college level. So they got a lot of great content, especially with the season. It's going to be here sooner than you think, Ted. I mean, we're just a close – next weekend is July. Like, I mean, we're close. We're very
1: close. I, I love my students with all my heart. But, like, the start of football season also coincides with the start of school year. That is true. That is tough for you. That is tough for (laughs) you. But that's what football is for.
0: Well, exactly. That's oh, the bounce important. it out. Offset
1: it. Even, even more important, that's what fantasy football is
0: for. 100%. And we are definitely going to be get, getting you a ton of fantasy content as soon as we dive into the summer. Probably after the 4th of July week, Tad will be going to visiting some families. So we'll be taking a little bit of a hiatus during that time. But 100% once he's back, we are going to dive oh, headfirst into the pool of fantasy football. Again, you covered all sorts of rankings and, you know, sleepers, bus. I mean, you name it, we'll have it covered for you guys. So make sure you're checking out, following us on our social media handles subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the YouTube channel, anything and everything, make sure you're doing it. But guys, to everybody who's already doing all that stuff, I mean, seriously, we just can't thank you enough.
1: And speaking of, well, not quite fantasy football, but made-up football, if I know the longtime listeners and viewers already know the results of our Madden Ultimate teams, but the stats have finally been posted. I'm only about two weeks late on it, but they are finally on Twitter. If you want to take a look at how a certain someone, me, Beat a certain someone horribly, Amir. Check out those stats because they are fascinating. Like I said, like Patrick Mahomes was, just, man, that was a yeah, that's surprising. Match. That was surprising. It was. It was. I'm telling you, like it's just take take notes for me and the Buccaneers. Just all you gotta do is pass rush him, and you know we'll see if Will Anderson does that for the Texans. But as always, guys, we're always gonna do fun stuff like that on social media. Um, I almost mentioned this on last week's episode because, uh, uh, Amir quiz me on who you know who is who are the seven coaches the Cardinals have had since 2000 I go man that's a lot I wonder how many like the other teams have had I'm gonna look into it and I'm gonna put up either what well, me and Murray to talk about this either a quiz or just like a fun fact or something like that on Twitter on Instagram for you guys to enjoy as well so any other type of stuff like that you want on socials let us know any topics you want to cover uh, you want us to cover let us know because you are quickly running out of time. Because like immer said, very, very soon we are going straight in fantasy. And once the season starts, it's straight fantasy. Maybe we'll have a couple weeks off. But other than that, guys, keep tuning in, especially as your fantasy draft comes closer. Because we will help you win your league. Trust me. So, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And as always, everyone, please stay safe.